G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz and this is episode number 29 of the Outback Mine podcast. Emergency services and frontline work uh, is something that we all sort of are unconscious of or we take for granted uh, the people that do uh, the response work like emergency response in ambulance, fire, police, prison, um, mental health work, nursing in hospitals, the list goes on. And we, we sort of, you know, see these people come and go in our lives and we don't really, um, you know, pay attention to, uh, to them and, and what they're actually doing for the communities. And, um, uh, today I have a gentleman by the name of Mick Stuthon who's a paramedic here at Agnes Water and uh, I wanted to bring Mick along to speak about his own journey but also to help us understand what, uh, what actually goes on with, uh, with people that work uh, in these particular industries and how they manage their mental health or primarily what actually isn't being done about helping them manage their mental health and um, looking after their well-being inside and outside of work. So... <laughs> You would imagine that uh, people within these um, these sorts of roles uh, experience quite a bit of trauma and stress and so forth. And uh, now Mick and I are quite passionate about trying to help um, people that work within these industries be able to self-regulate and manage their well-being a little bit better um, rather than sort of get uh, too stressed and um, and broken and have to uh, rehabilitate. I, I think Mick and I have got a similar passion about helping people prehabilitate. So you learn the skills to be able to self-manage uh, so they are a bit more self-aware and uh, and be able to um, manage um, things as they come up a little bit more functionally um, and you know geez having worked in, um, in frontline stuff before myself I know uh, the impact that that can actually have and a lot of the things that trigger our emotions feelings and so forth that can actually take a, a huge toll on our on our uh, mental and physical health primarily and um I'm sure that plenty of you listening out there would have known people that have worked in, you know, fire, police, ambulance, the main ones that we can think of that, um, you know, have had uh, significant things going on in their lives and it's, it's affected them, um, you know, as individuals and, and not only them, their own, uh, their families and so forth around them. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy uh, our chat uh, today. Uh, Mick's a, a very, um, you know, genuine, beautiful guy and uh, has lots of uh, experience and knowledge to share. Just wanted to make make uh, mention of our uh, our supporting partner, Green Nutritionals. So they supply products that can support well-being, holistic products which are, are, are purely organic and uh, from the best sources in the world. So really encourage you to support them um, and help them support us. Uh, jump on their website, greennutritionals.com.au. Um, magnificent barley grass and spirulina and omega-3s and magnesium and calcium and all that good stuff that we need in our bodies to help us function better. So sit back and enjoy our conversation. I'm sure you're going to find uh, this a really uh, bright, light and uh, interesting one. Mick Stooth, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast. Thanks very much, Aaron. It's great to be here. You might have to talk up a bit, mate. We might uh, we might struggle to, to hear, but uh, I've got Mick in the room with me today. Um, usually we do this sort of stuff over the phone, so it's really good to have uh, uh, a human connection, um, I, I guess. So uh, Mick, um, Mick and I have known each other for a little while. He's just got back from travelling around Australia and... Uh, uh, as many of you may know, he's, he's a paramedic and he's been uh, doing that role for quite a while and 
Mick and I are pretty passionate about men's health primarily and um, we want to talk about that but also talk about life uh, on the front line and what that actually does to us. Um, you know, for the rewarding side, all the good things that happen, but there is another side to it as well and uh, being able to make people aware of that and also help people understand that, um, uh, you know, maybe the approach that we're taking may may be able to be tweaked and improved a little bit if we can sort of help people become a bit more aware and look after themselves a bit better inside and outside of work. So, Mick, um, really happy to... Uh, to have you along mate and uh, I want you to sort of share a bit of your journey with regards to you know where you come from what took you into being an AMBO and you know where life's taken you from there mate. Yeah thanks Aaron thanks for the intro and <laughs> yeah I, I mean I, I grew up in in uh, suburbia in Victoria in Melbourne and basically it was it was a reasonably um, good upbringing in, in, in the way that, you know, we had everything that we needed. You know, we had a roof over our heads, we had food to eat every night um, and every day, you know, we went to, to you know, good public schools. Um, there was a, a little bit of, of turmoil along the way um, here and there, but, but pretty standard sort of family stuff with regards to divorces and breakups and um, um, that sort of thing. But Ultimately, it was a really, it was a nice upbringing. I, I look back on it and, and I reflect and I kind of think that all of that, um, that, those experiences that I had, you know, living in that sort of, that suburbia um, um, part, you know, within Melbourne, yeah. um, we're about an hour out, out of Melbourne near Yarra Valley. Yeah. Um, all of that has sort of, you know, culminated in, in what I am or brought me to what I am today and and uh, look basically you know after that I when I was I was sort of 18 or 17 and I don't know about you Aaron but but when you've finished school you, you've sort of got to make a decision on what you're going to do and mm. as a 17 year old it's it's a really difficult decision and I used to look around at my classmates and they seemed to all have it together and know what they wanted to do but I didn't know sort of, you know, where I wanted to go, who I was essentially. And, um, and so what I thought I'd do is I'd throw it over to someone who would tell me what I am. And um, so I decided to join the army. Shit, right, I never knew yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So, so I joined the full-time army and I decided if I'm gonna go in this, I might as well just go hell for leather and, and go into a combat corps. <laughs> and so, so I joined artillery and they flew me up to Townsville. And so I, I ended up spending um, about five years uh, in Townsville, um, did one or two deployments, one over to East Timor for about six months. And look, basically I, I just sort of, that was probably the first hint for me that, that maybe I actually need to take, take a little bit of ownership in, in my direction rather than hand it over or hand the power over to someone else or another authority. And, um, and so, yeah, from there, I, um, I decided to leave and, and got into, um, into fitness because that's all I really knew at the time. And that was a skill set that I could take to the outside world. I, I sort of thought that myself, I, I know intrinsically that I, I do want to help people. And I kind of felt that this is a great little inroad into empowering people or assisting them into empower themselves. And so I became a personal trainer um, and then, and then that moved into, 
oh, management and sales and I found myself just locked away in an office mm. all of a sudden mm. and I didn't know how I got there and and um, and at this at this time I met a, a beautiful woman Amy my wife now and and so we've we've sort of been hitting it out together for about 16 years now we've got a couple of beautiful kids um, and and so we at that period of time when I was in these this sort of salesy role um, we had our first child Hannah and and look I just felt a little bit disconnected and um, you know like I said with myself um, with where I was and who I was and and so yeah I, I just sort of um, ended up meeting a fella in the gym who was a paramedic and 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 after many conversations over a six-month period I decided to to join up as a paramedic and I've been sort of working in that role for about 11 years now, Aaron. So um, a lot of that has been in a, in a rural setting where I don't really have um, as much backup or resources as a typical paramedic would have. So there's been challenges through that, but obviously periods of growth as well. Mm. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a real connection with the community that you work in. And um, also uh, we need to <clears throat> like, like talk more about you know, the challenges around that and, and sort of, you know, how being, you know, a focal point in the community can be a, a real good thing, but also can mm. be quite tricky too. But I think, mate, um, yeah, you, you, you touched on it there. We have um, all, or most of us got the ability within ourselves to want to help people. And, you know, sometimes that can be really challenging when we go into an industry and we're not getting the support um, that actually helps us help ourselves mm-hmm. so we can help other people and you know that's going to be a really um, um topical um discussion that we'll have throughout this conversation today and, and the well-being of emergency services people and how that can mm. be um you know um such a, a challenging thing for to be able to front up every day if you are struggling so so mate um so you were in agnes the whole time so i started in brisbane so i, I did all of my studentship so back then it wasn't university yeah. based when I when I joined back in 2009 it was it was uh, almost an internship within the Queensland Ambulance Service and so they train you up in almost like a TAFE like setting but they they literally give you an eight-week crash course and then they throw you out on the road with a partner or a mentor mm. and then you do two and a half years on the road ticking and flicking boxes as you go as to what kind of skills you you know you sort of um, you have and they obviously arm you with more as time goes on. So, so that's what it was like back then. So essentially after two and a half years, you're a pretty well seasoned paramedic working full time. Whereas nowadays it's a little bit different. You get graduates that come out um, and they haven't necessarily got the practical um, knowledge. They're quite young as well. Some of them are still on their provisional license. Um, and then they're sort of thrown into this chaotic world. Um, and to be honest, Aaron, I mean, if I, if you if you said to me that I was going to do this job when I'm a 21 year old, mm. um, there would have been a lot of cracks that would have come out, um, mm. you know, at that age. So I'm a little concerned about, yeah, just about the approach. It's all about a little bit more about numbers and getting people on seats rather than actually, you know, really honing in on on um, building up that resilience in the in the person before they they fulfil a role that mm. uh, obviously comes with a lot of trauma. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, yeah, mate, it's yeah. A, it's a downfall. Uh, you know, I think in the whole whole linkage chain with regards to working in the the you know the the people space where you are sort of providing services that actually look after people because others' lives are in your hands and 
you know, if you're not sort of balanced yourself, um, that can make it really, really difficult. And, and I know young guys that I went to school with that were coppers at 18 and they were walking around with guns, you know. Mm. This is back in the 80s, late 80s and 90s. And, um, yeah, they weren't mature enough to, to go into a role like that. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, they trained nurses in, in the hospitals like yourself, like actually on the job. Now it's through the uni. And mm-hmm. I see people come through the uni system and they're, they're really not equipped. They're just sort of educated. But they're not actually like educated how to look after them, themselves. Mm-hmm. There's not much training on well-being, on how to understand your emotions and things like that. To be able to, you know, this is, this is another thing we'll talk about more is to be able to Get, get grounded every day before you start your job, mm. you know, because you are going to have um, you know, lots of uh, curveballs thrown at you and things thrown at you throughout your day. And, uh, and that's a real, a real trap, I think, for most people, um, not only in emergency services, but in, in life in general, is we don't know how to, how to you know, um, come back home to, to, you know, fill in who we really are. And that's when a lot of the traumas and shit can... Um, start to uh, to mount up and then we get mental health issues yeah yeah it's, yeah. it's very true and and um and with i guess with the role as as a paramedic we we're often in an adrenaline state you know and and it's it really is almost almost a necessity when you first start because you don't really understand anything but just being alert mm. um you know, making sure that you, you're fronting up probably with one or two coffees on board mm. um and and just, just making sure that you, you're always on, on the job at the right time and, and, you know, when the call comes in and you have to go to a cardiac arrest, I mean, you want to be, you want to be there and hitting the ground running because scrutiny is coming your way regardless. Mm, mm. And so when you're starting out, these are the sorts of challenges um, that, that a lot of paramedics are, are kind of, especially young paramedics are faced with. Um, now, with the job, it's, it's something that, that a lot of people don't think about is there is a huge element of identity attached with the job. Mm-hmm. And so we wear a uniform, you know, we've, we've got boots, we've got an ambulance, you know, we're quite a, you know, quite a large vehicle that stands out and we're the most respected, um, you know, industry, um, mm-hmm. especially in the medical realm. So it, with that comes a lot of, it's it's not even it's not even expectation. It's actually almost an assumption from the public that we are good people. Mm. And although I would say the majority of paramedics, of course, are really good people, that assumption and that you know when somebody comes up to you in the street and they don't even know you from a bar of soap and they just say thank you, you do a great job. Mm. Um, you know, some people within the industry, including myself at times, have fallen into the trap of actually finding that they're getting something from that, uh, from that identification, from that uniform. And then essentially that is then becoming us. So mm. I am a paramedic and that becomes our identity. And then, mm. and then so with that, there's a lot of culture around performance in paramedicine. So, you know, you, you, you're, not, you're not sort of assessed on the way, you know, that you communicate with and how much compassion you have with, with your patients. You're, you're assessed on, on, you know, how well you can sort of, um, you know, bring a patient back, you know, when they're in the absolute depths of or so close to death mm. um, or, or, you know, your ability to be able to uh, work, you know, 
obviously in a group environment, all those sort of aspects of, of the job. But what I'm, what I'm sort of you know, finding is that a lot of people end up leaning on that, mm. on that identity to gain love, essentially. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so by doing that, they're actually preventing themselves from feeling it unless they're in the uniform. Mm. And, and that's what I'm also concerned about, and, and particularly with, you know, with the younger people that are coming through a course as well. But, but certainly I've, I've bumped into people that are, that are retired I bumped into a, a fella, um, I was fueling up at a service station um, a few months ago when I was, I was uh, working a shift and, and he, he looked across at me and, and I was you know, with the ambulance fueling up and he just said, um, hey, I used, to be, um, I used to be on the helicopters down in New South Wales and he looked like he was, he was sort of in his mid-60s and, and I said, oh really, that's amazing, you know, where, whereabouts and we got into a bit of a conversation but I said to him, how's everything going in? I assume you're retired. And he said, yeah, I'm retired. And he just had this look of, of being completely defeated and having no purpose mm. uh, anymore. Mm. And he, he voiced that to me within the five minutes that we had a chat. And he just said, I've got nothing. I've got nothing to offer now. I'm, I'm, I'm basically, I've gone from this, you know, working on helicopters for 25 years. Mm. And now I'm just, you know, I'm just at home. Mm. And so that's another, another good example of, of why we should never, never really lean on a job or a title or yeah. an identity yeah. because it just prevents us from being able to access our own happiness right now that we actually have, have access to. So, so that is something that I've really noticed over the last few years, Aaron. Yeah. Attachment is a cause of suffering. Mm. If you're attached to an identity or a role or whatever it may be, mm. and, and inevitably that will disappear because everything's impermanent. You know, you can't be an ambulance officer forever. And, and, then, and if you're attached to that too much, then all of a sudden there will become a time where you've got to be mixed with again. Mm. And that'll take you back to vulnerability. So you've got to have things in your life which keep you connected to yourself, you know, and, and not, not your outside world. You know, your inside world's much more important because if you can keep that contained, then all of a sudden, when you're a paramedic, it's just, your job you're still in your job you know you're not attached to that and this guy and i see it i've seen it a lot because people get into these um these roles because they want to help people and uh they become what that actually is but they, they forget about the real individual underneath all that and that was you know a little boy a little girl that was you know just a light light being that actually wanted to do something good for the world but all of a sudden you've got a title and a role for that um, and that can, that can really destroy you if you're really attached to it. Uh, and, you know, you become um, you know, imbalanced if, you, if you, you haven't got other things in your life which actually, like, help you, you know, look after your well-being. Yeah. Does mm. that make sense? It does make yeah. sense. And, and, yeah, absolutely looking after yourself, grounding yourself and having a routine um, outside of work, you know, maybe having friends that, that aren't associated with the identity and, mm. and, and just you know, making sure that you, you sort of do a little bit of exercise. And, and I know it, it can be very, very difficult for, for anyone who's listening that does some shift work. I know that, that shift work is such a challenge in itself. And the reason that it's so challenging is because it puts all of our hormones out of balance and out of whack because we're awake when we really should be sleeping and, and vice versa. And look, if you don't force yourself 
to actually get moving some days and you just feel like you want to sort of hit the hay and you just want to you just want to gonk out sometimes when you've done a bit of a crazy shift it doesn't matter what sort of you know, field you work in if you've got all that pent-up kind of adrenaline from the day within your body then it ends up being stored into your cells mm. if you don't sort of work out a way to dissipate it so that's what i've found is that it, it does help to um to make sure that we've we've sort of got a routine um in to place self-regulate yeah 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 yep yeah, 100 yeah. and yeah. and coffee doesn't do it mm. you know it'll give you a bit of a temporary kick mm. uh but being able to do things that connect you back to you know the real the real you mm. is really important because then the identity is not so important it's, uh, it's very true. and um yeah this is where we have sort of become a bit lost I think uh, in modern society because we are sort of you know we're going the, the, the wrong way we're forcing rather than just you know actually like going with our, our natural cycles and shift work can really throw you out of that you know so being able to be aware when your adrenals are out of whack to be able to do things that are more healthful mm-hmm. or health promoting rather than taking your health the other way because that sort of knocks you out of balance too mate so yeah sure yeah. it does and and i mean shift work was was a big part of of how everything sort of came crashing down for me in 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 a few different ways and that had a lot to do with um with consuming a lot of coffee mm. um with with doing long hours and with feeling the burden of having to continue and um uh, and, and that, that obviously comes with the identity, you know, mm. and so I, I'm upstanding, you know, paramedic that does my job, you know, and, and I'll keep getting out of bed for the community. Mm. But at some point, you know, everything needs to reconcile and, you know, you, you, you want to avoid falling into that trap of being, mm. yeah, of, of basically crashing down um, and rather a better way to go about it would be to put in mitigating strategies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that that's that's something that you and I are pretty passionate about, eh? To be able to mm. to give people those tools. Yeah. So so we can talk a bit more deeply about this now. Like you sort of maybe hit some burnout and that, and some mental health challenges yourself through through the stresses of the job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was the job, but there was also other things that I had created in my life, and on I can only reflect now and actually look back and work out what I was trying to get. Um, whereas it, at the time, I was more or less just following the breadcrumbs that society drops for us. Mm. And, and you know, for me, I mean, I was working full time. Um, you know, we would do on average 20 to 30 hours of overtime every fortnight on top of the normal hours that we would do. Mm. Um, we're an hour and a half from hospital, so we would always be driving back and forth. And, and so we had that, but in 2015, um, I was approached by a good friend of mine who's also a paramedic and we wanted to help out a, a particular community over in Nepal who had suffered um, from a, a horrendous earthquake that, that uh, killed um, close to 10,000 people um, on midday on the 25th of April. And um, look, basically there was a community there that, that my friend was, was really close with um, due to previous um, work that he'd done over there. And we ended up building a, um, a not-for-profit organisation called the Wild Medic Project um, to assist this community. So essentially their health centre had completely um, collapsed as a result of this earthquake and we had 5,000 people that weren't able to access basic health care. So we started this project and began 
just recruiting paramedics to pay their own way to come over and, and help out and, and every eight weeks we'd run another clinic. And so we did this and, um, and then, you know, this ended up becoming a lot bigger than we, than we ever would have thought. And so while I'm doing all these shifts, I'm also building this platform and coordinating teams that are going overseas to assist these communities. Now, I, haven't, I hadn't had any experience in humanitarianism mm. in the past, but I learned quickly that there was, you know, a lot of, through falling over a lot of times and working out that this doesn't work and, yes, we need to collaborate with, with the community in a better way and we need to um, make sure that our resources are efficiently sent over and all these sorts of things. So I was up past midnight, you know, a lot of nights, you know, for, for a few years, mm. you know, on top of doing my own role. And being a father. Being a father, a husband, you know. Yeah. I had a couple of kids. I'm trying to yeah. be a good husband. I'm trying to hold it all together. Yeah. And, you know, we, we created an expedition company on, on top of that to support this not-for-profit. We, we also started to um, implement, um, it was a company called Planet Medic, where we're actually looking to assist third world communities that have ambulance services, but they need skills. They need skilled paramedics over there to assist in training. And so I created this huge basket of, although it was very purposeful and I felt good doing it, it was a big basket of stress. Mm. But my identity that I'm putting out there to the world was that I've got it together. Mm. Yeah, so so I've, I've got everything under control and I'm relaxed, I'm calm, I'm cool and I'm collected, you know. But the reality was internally... I was really, really hurting. Mm. And I was, I was hurting from what I had created. Um, and the reason is because society is telling me to be busy. You know when you bump into someone in the street? Oh, yeah. You know, and they say, yeah. what have you been up to? Yeah, you know? yeah. And most people will say, oh, I've been flat out. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely flat a, out. It's know, a badge, just, badge of honour. Yeah. yeah. I've got yeah. a thousand things going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Mate, you know. Yeah. So that actually fed this this you know ever evolving creation and deep down like i said before all i really needed now i can reflect on it all i wanted was was love mm. you know, all i wanted was um some form of just some recognition and and it wasn't the, you know it was only a part of what i had created but I knew that that was actually kind of what was, you know, essentially manifesting all these things that I was creating. And so I, I basically boxed myself into a corner. And in 2017, um, I had high blood pressure. Um, I, my sugars were out of whack. I had um, all sorts of um, mental sort of, I guess there was elements of anxiety um, there was fleeting moments of depression. Um, I, I had some thoughts of, you know, suicidal thoughts at times um, because no matter how hard I worked, I, I never really felt fulfilled on the inside. Mm. And while this is happening, my relationship with my kids was not really there. I was always vacant. So when I'm playing with them, I'm thinking about the spreadsheet that I should be doing. It sounds very familiar. Yeah. yeah. Um, my wife tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, um, you know, maybe something needs to change. And I basically ignored it for the first couple of times. And it was only when 
she went to cut my hair, which she, she always did. She shaved my hair, you know, and, and that's all I ever did. I just, you know, for a haircut. Um, she noticed that there was a, what she thought was a bald patch on the top of my head. And I, initially I was thinking, oh, I've got really thick hair. I, don't, I shouldn't get a, a bald patch. Mm. And, um, but then I thought, you know what, maybe it is. I mean, I'm, I'm probably in 37. Maybe that's just, that's just the way it is. And, and I was okay with it. But then like a, few days no, a few days later, I noticed that there was a couple more patches on my head. And, and when I, I dried my hair after coming out of the shower, I noticed on the towel that it was just filled with hair and all my hair was sort of falling out. And so all of this stress had triggered off um, alopecia. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this, although this isn't in itself a serious uh, illness or anything normally, it triggered something, it triggered my identity essentially and it collapsed it because I am one to always have everything in control. I'm always one to have everything together. Mm-hmm on the outside and now the inside had become so out of balance so out of whack that now the outside was was showing it to the world mm. and I can't hide it anymore and so where do I go you know and and I remember just just the self-talk started you know and, and negative self-talk and I'd never used to do that but all of a sudden I was just continually beating myself up mm. that I'm hopeless that I'm useless, that I can't even keep this together. You know, I'm only 37 years old. This is absolutely, this is hilarious, but so sad. Mm. And, and so I remember sitting after a couple of weeks of just being in this state and Amy tapped me on the shoulder and said, have you ever thought of just coming at peace with it? Mm. And at first... I kind of, at first I, I thought about that and I thought that's a, really, that's a really selfish thing to say. But then after only 10 or 20 seconds later, I started to think more about it and I thought, well, where else have I got to go? You know, I've been controlling this thing and, and holding it off. I need to face it and actually come at peace with it all because what other option do I have? Mm. And so... A friend came up to me and told me, Mick, you should, you should consider doing some meditation. And at first, I mean, I, I, I knew about meditation, you know, I, I'd never practiced it before. But I've, again, I thought, well, what other option do I have? And, and so I began a little course, a little mini course, and started to learn what you call transcendental meditation, but essentially just using a mantra. Um, you know, sometimes it sounds technical, but it's actually quite easy. Mm. Essentially just repeating a phrase over and over until your mind settles down. Mm-hmm. And I started to, to do this every single day and things started to really change. And I noticed my health starting to improve. It did take some time. It took a few months. My health started to improve. I started to feel a little bit more grounded, a little bit more balanced. Um, I decided after a period of meditation that I wasn't going to work full time anymore. And that was a decision that was a little bit difficult because it challenged once again my ego, my identity Mm. in being this busy person. How am I going to front up to someone in the street who actually asked me, you know, what have, what have you been up to? Mm. And I have to say, well, yeah, I'm not working full time anymore. Mm. 
And so that was a little challenging. But, but through learning meditation, I, I really found that by sitting silent, I was actually able to finally access almost something internally that I hadn't been able to access since maybe I was six or seven years old. I, was, I don't know how to explain it, but it was sort of like a, a childlike feeling of, ah, almost like, some one, like a wondrous feeling of, um, oh, you know, possibilities all of a sudden. It, it wasn't so clouded anymore. So I would, I would have more clarity on a day-to-day basis. And, and one thing that Amy noted as well about me, a big change, was that I could never look at anybody in the eye. Mm. But once I'd started to meditate, I was able to actually engage with people in their eye again. Mm. And, and, you know, I think that that comes with what that had actually given me. Um, which was so much more peace within myself. And subsequently, all the other things started to, to unfold and, and, um, and work out for the better for me. And, and it was by letting go rather than controlling everything that I seemed to gain control. So it was a weird paradox that actually uh, was undertaking. So yeah. Surrender. It was. Really, really, mm. the nervous system is trying to get back to feeling mixed tooth again not mixed tooth the paramedic mm-hmm. and really you 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 start touch on something so beautiful like getting back to that little boy again is is the real self that's that's the real the real the real you you you're coming from your heart rather than your mind <clears throat> so a kid in that state is in theta theta is our, our calm natural state you know you look outside in nature you'll see everything is in theta pretty much they're living in the moment they're not stressed about their identity and all that sort of stuff and getting back home, as we sort of discussed, and coming back to that, that, that soul feeling again is where you can start to heal. And that's where the growth starts to happen. So look at people in your industry or the cops or the prison officers or the mental health workers and that. And like you were, very much in the mind, ticking, ticking, ticking. You can't look at someone because you're too busy in the mind. You know, Being able mm-hmm. to, to settle the nervous system is, is really so important. You know, because that gets us back to a state of feeling who we really are again. That helps us get back to that self-healing state because your body will react and it'll it'll give you red lights like the hair Mm. or something coming up on your skin. You go to a doctor, they'll give you a treatment for that, but not actually like sort, sort out the cause. So you were brave enough to sort of hit on the cause, you know, and actually explore the cause. Whereas, you know, a lot of people ignore that and they'll go towards an intervention um, and that's a reactive approach rather than a proactive approach, yeah. Yeah, what you've touched on there, Aaron, is it's really interesting. And we were talking about it a little bit before uh, this interview here. But the medical industry, and, and I mean, I'm able to <clears throat> step back now and actually have a look from more of a, more of a wider perspective now and, and more of an understanding of the human being. Uh, and... Our system, our medical system, does a fantastic job. It is incredible, and, and especially in an emergency setting. There are, there are just elements of it that direct people in the wrong way and actually remove the power away from themselves. Mm. And what you've just touched on is a great example of that, in that what often the medical industry is trying to do is to usher you out the door with some medications to cover up 
you know, or to assist with the symptoms that you're actually experiencing. Now, if I was to do that, let's just say my case an example, all right? So mm-hmm. my hair's falling out, okay? And I've got high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. So I did go to the doctor and the doctor did prescribe me with medication for the high blood pressure. I didn't take them. I sat there staring at them for a while. And I, again, I thought, I'm not, I'm surely I'm not mm-hmm. going to do this yeah. because there's something deeper that's actually causing this. Yeah. Now, my hair's falling out. Now, a quick Google search for alopecia. I mean, you could go out and get some amazing injections in your head if you want, and then your, your hair might come back. Yeah. It may come back. Um, in some, it doesn't. But this is where I would have been steered towards. Now, imagine if I had have done that at that period of time. So I am then frantically trying to control my hair, right? I'm trying to intrinsically alter my own, um, my own internal system to, so that my vessels are actually you know, expanding more so that the blood flow won't be under so much pressure. Whereas what if it was just that I'm not in tune with myself and that I'm working too hard and I'm too stressed and I'm not eating the right foods and I'm drinking too much coffee? Mm. What if we took... What if we worked on that, you know? And it's very easy for a GP to say, look, you know, and, and a lot of GPs do. They, they say, look, you need to have a look at your diet. You need to have a look at how much exercise you're doing. Look at your lifestyle. But often it's just this generalized, uh, these generalized comments that leave people lost. Mm. And what I mean by that is the patient then goes onto Google and says, well, what's a good diet for weight loss or, or you know, what can I do to, you know, sort of reduce, reduce my stress? And then it will be something like go for a, go for a walk or go for a run. And then but it's like, what kind of running? Mm. Well, you could do 45 minutes of running each day and then, and then you, you might do an injury. And, then, and, and so people mm. just get into this convoluted mess mm. of misinformation or non-information. And, you know, and it's not, I don't blame the GPs, I blame the culture that has brought up, you know, this industry and that has been ingrained for decades now mm. where it's, it's all about medicating rather than treating the root cause of the problem. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I remember it from when I was a young fella, hospitals were there to fix wounds. Mm. Now they're full of people that really shouldn't be there if they were given, you know, uh, proactive advice rather than reactive advice. Oh, you need this, you need that. Well, this is happening because of this. Let's work on getting this right for you so you can heal, you know, and you, you healed yourself, you know, and that, that's, that's the power within all of us. Our body is always trying to be healthy. Our mind's always trying to be clear and back to that state of how you felt uh, when you did touch on, on that feeling of, of coming to, to your home again, like to yourself again. But when we get knocked out of balance consistently and we're getting the wrong information out there, we just become fucked up and confused. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, we, we, we don't know what to do, but all the answers are within ourselves. So mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know, so lucky that you actually were able to, you know, to, to explore that option rather than taking the reactive approach like a lot of people are doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of people are listening to this um, uh, uh, sort of in that sort of state of confusion where they're just getting... Um, it's like, you know, climbing up the hill and just falling down again quickly, you know, you're not actually getting anywhere. Mm. Um, but to, to, to do the things that actually help your nervous system 
come back to balance again, then your body can say, oh, good, shit, I surrender here. I'm actually going to start to look after you now. I'm not fighting. Mm. I'm actually like, you know, I'm going to do something so things start to work better again. And the model that we have with, you know, all the, the mental health issues and, you know, physical health issues like cancers and so forth, a lot of that probably could be, you know, overcome and prevented if we actually help people uh, learn some tools to self-heal. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I think for anyone who's listening, um, you know, if you're going through something, some form of a crisis or, or medically something's actually happened or maybe you've even been in an accident or been hit by a car or something crazy sort of happened in your life, just try to move into that space a little bit more of, of just letting go and, and not, not grasping, not grasping onto um, potential outcomes here and there and expectations, but rather just, just let go and just see what unfolds because sometimes it is a great opportunity to reset and particularly during this pandemic, I know a lot of people have actually found this as being a, really an opportunity to reflect on where their life is heading. Is it in the true path of, of, of who you are or is it somebody else's idea you know, of success? And, um, and I was certainly caught up in, in everyone else's idea of success, which is earning over $100,000 a year, having a great house, um, you know, having this, this beautiful family um, and, and, and just accumulating and accumulating and, and working hard until you're 65. And then maybe when you're 65, then you can actually live the fruits of life. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> Which when you say it like that, yeah. I mean, it, it really does sound ridiculous that we need to wait until we're 65, but mm. this is the narrative that we've been told. Mm. But the truth is that no matter what role you're in, you can still find that, that your true self if you actually give yourself the time. And that's, that's the issue is most of us don't give ourselves mm. just half an hour each day. You know, sometimes that's all you need mm. just to tune in and actually, actually have a listen as to what's going on internally rather than just chuck on the mask and head out into society, do your role, make it look all good on the outside where the, intern, the internal elements of yourself are maybe, are maybe completely disenchanted. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, 100%, mate. Mm. That's, um, that's a really way of putting it, a really good way of putting it because, you know, in Western society, we, we've been educated to support the economy, which I talk about a lot on this, you know, like have a think about it six or seven years old, you know, you felt who you really were, but then after that, you just got taken away into this stressful mindset. The mind took over and the heart um, wasn't, uh, wasn't connected with. Um, but you look at other cultures where that, that foundation is all about training your heart first rather than the mind. The mind's there as a servant for the heart. But we're just so, so wound up in our minds that that's leading us down this path and we've created industries for, around that now. You know, we've created all these, all these things that actually that we believe support us, but they'd actually take our, our well-being and our power the other way. Mm. Whereas the power is within us. There's so many people like yourself that have actually like had such positive reactions from doing something which is supporting your well-being and sitting, sitting, you know, and actually like listening. That that's what it is. So. All the answers are inside you. And if you actually listen to the teacher within yourself, 
then you are your own master and you don't have to outsource that, you know. And this is something, you know, we've discussed and, and we'll do more podcasts about this. This is a really good opportunity to get to know Mick. But um, I think if we can sort of help people within the emergency services or whatever industry it is, whether it's a kid at school or whether it's someone that's, uh, you know, ageing and they're stressed, to be able to learn skills to be able to self-regulate, um, I think that's really important. And some other people that have been on this podcast previously have talked a lot about that and there'll be more to come in the future about the importance of, of you know, going inward and actually looking after our well-being rather than sort of going outward and looking after it or looking for it because all the answers are really within ourselves, you know. And unfortunately, we've just been so dominated by the stresses of life that we actually become distracted away from, you know, that, that sense of, you know, inner knowing again, I guess. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And, and I mean, the thing that, that I guess I was put off by um, initially, meditation, was that, it, you know, it, it sounds like a difficult practice that maybe I can't do, that only some people can do. You've got to front up to yourself. <clears throat> you yeah. know, it's easy to go to a gym and push some weights. Yeah. Or, um, you know, you go for a run, your run will, like, challenge you the whole time because mm. you, the negative mind, the, the protective mind will be telling you to stop, you can't do this, you can't do that. Well, it's the same when you're sitting. It's the mm. same as when, well, it was, like, if you're watching a TV or your mind's distracted by mm. earbuds while you're running mm. or whatever, you're not actually really present. You're not actually, like, come back to that, that sense of healing. So you just, you're the same again, you're masking it. And, um, and yeah. also what you feed your mind as well, isn't it, Aaron? Because mm. I know that that was probably one of the first steps that I did. Uh, the same friend that actually recommended, you know, I should maybe look into a meditation practice also suggested that I turn off all news, that I don't look at any media anymore, uh, that, I, that when something comes on the radio, like some news, just turn it off. And... I tell you what, since 2017, you, you know, I wouldn't have watched more than an hour's worth of news, mm. you know, in that time. Mm-hmm. Even through the pandemic, I yeah. wasn't watching news. <laughs> and yeah. I tell you what, I was, in, I was in a pretty good place when the pandemic hit, yeah. you know. I, yeah. I was very, very grounded. Same, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was in a state where I was able then to assist others. Mm. And so when you sort yourself out, that's when you're able to go on and actually assist others because you now have the space to be able to facilitate that. Whereas if you're wound up in your mind and you haven't sat down, you know, for a long time and you're just going from day to day to day, Mm. where are you going to find that compassion from to assist others? You don't even have time to make yourself you know, a really, you know, maybe make yourself a really nice lunch, Mm. let alone, you know, go out and actually sit down with a friend for, you know, two hours and actually kind of let them talk to you about their issues. Mm. Um, So that's another, another thing that, that I found with, with this, this period of growth is that I'm now feeling a lot more expanded in assisting humanity ultimately you know and and it it doesn't it doesn't need to be in a way that is professional it just it could be you could go and try to uplift every single person that you come into contact with and bring them up maybe two or three percent and that's all you do Mm. you know that Mm. that could just be you know your goal And, Mm. and and i think that when you've got that space 
that can happen, you know, that can mm. happen. You can't will that to happen. Mm. Oh, I want to be more compassionate. I want to be more loving. Mm. That comes when you sort of clear space for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. If you're chasing it, um, you're not mm. going to get there. Mm. If you actually like do the things that get you um, back to balance again, mm. then all those things will start to happen because that will be your heart speaking to you saying, well, this is, this is the, the way rather than having an agenda. If you have an agenda, um, it's like being attached, like we discussed before. Once you're attached to something, eventually you're going to be like that, uh, that um, helicopter pilot or that helicopter Rambo that comes to an end of it, you know. So I knew with myself, pushing my body really hard and doing all these athletic things was going to have to come to an end at some point in time. So I knew once I'd done all that, I felt like calm. So how do I do it without putting my body through all this hell? And that was through through learning meditation, you know. Amazing. So you've got to be able yeah. to balance the yang with the yin, mm. you know. So the, 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 the quiet, the stillness with, with the go. So if you're an ambo or you're a copper or whatever, and you're, you're all much, you're so much in the go all the time without actually balancing it, and the only way you're balancing it is through consuming something, then your body's going to give you disease like it did with you with your hair. Mm. You know, right. the evidence mm. is going to show up. Yeah. You know, and it's it's it sounds very simple, and it really is. At the end of the day, when you when you look at humanology and what what a human needs to do to function properly, we're we're being denatured all the time. You know, we're actually being thrown out of our rhythm all the time. But getting back to our natural rhythm is what it's all about, and, and the real connection with with the greatest stuff of life. You yeah. know, uh, so many old guys I've spoken to. Um, through some of the work I've done, when you get back to what was important for them, was was not giving themselves enough time to actually like realize or understand who they really are. They've been attached to their identity the whole time. You know, yeah. they got to the end of this life, got their super and all that, got the caravan and the big car, you know, and waited a lot of time, and then all of a sudden, probably ended up crook and not being able to do it anymore. You know, so I realized that life could actually happen now. And you can be like you are on holidays every day if you actually give yourself space. Because the only person you can, that can control it is yourself. You know, you can't outsource it for that happy feeling because all the happiness comes from within yourself, you know. Yeah. I think that that's the thing that we don't understand. Yeah, absolutely nailed it. Yeah, mm. that's exactly right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy to get lost in the merry-go-round and, and, and that's because of all the stuff that's just being, being projected at us, you know, and, and the people that you hang around plays a big part as well, you mm-hmm. know, and, and when, you know, in my game, in, in the paramedicine industry, it's, it's all about who performs the best, you mm-hmm. know, and if that's the case and that's going to cultivate competitiveness. Yes, absolutely. Now, now competitiveness is, is a good thing, <clears throat> but it can also be an equally bad thing in so many different ways and and it's me versus you and mm-hmm. when it becomes that well then you know i win at all costs yes. and you know it's it's at the detriment of the other person it's it really it really can get you into a trap um, where it's all about winning mm. it's all about being the best it's all about performance mm. but uh, if you just if you just give yourself just a little bit of time and if you haven't done this before I'd suggest when you, maybe when you wake up in the morning, just sit with yourself, just sit down, whether it's outside, maybe get out in nature. I like to just, just sit out in my garden, to be honest, and, uh, and, and just sit there and just listen. Mm. Just listen to the birds, have a look at the trees. Just 
get back to your human self again. Mm. Because with all this technology now, the very first thing that I used to do was just grab my phone and have a look at what's been happening in the world, you know, mm. or what emails have just come in so mm. I can get hit the ground running so I can be more efficient. But if you're giving yourself that time first, you, you know when, when you go to a financial advisor and they're and they starting to put together some, um, some ideas for you to kind of you know, look after your financial health and they sort of say to you, you need to pay yourself first. You know, before you pay, you know, this and, and, and you know, so i.e. pay your savings account first mm. and then pay your mortgage, then pay your rent, then pay, you know, your bills and everything else. Mm. Well, this is the same thing. It's pay yourself first mm. in your own attention because yeah. you can, everyone is trying to get your attention. Mm. Everyone and especially with technology now, everyone's vying for your attention. All these social media platforms mm. have the little red symbol, the little number one, the likes, all these things mm. that are going to you know, trigger off particular hormones that are mm. going to get you coming back for more. But if you can just break yourself from that, mm. then um, half the battle is won. Look at TV and look at how you and I brought up through watching sport and thinking that was like the mecca. But all of a sudden, you're getting bombarded with ads which want to give you pleasure. Yes. And if you watch the news, which you've disconnected from, which I'm really pleased to hear, but it's putting you in fear all the time. And all of a sudden, there'll be an ad come on that tries to give you something that helps you feel better. So that's yeah. the whole agenda behind yeah. it. Put them in fear, um, you know, pacify them by giving them stuff that's going to help them um, feel good temporarily. But really, all the answers are within yourself. So you've got to be able to disconnect from a lot of that uh, outside influence as much as possible. And I, I try and dedicate 10% of my day to my well-being, you know. If you're only doing 1% or 2% of that, it doesn't matter. As long as you're doing something that gets you back to feeling you know, yourself again, and then all the distractions don't uh, matter. So you hit on something before, like competition. Um, yeah, it's, it is good in some ways, but also it is a detriment because it keeps us separate. Um, it gives us division. The antidote to competition is compassion. So mm. if you can find compassion for yourself every morning, you don't have to get into that competitive mode mm. consistently and you don't see it in the workplace or within you know, what you're doing uh, and judging and, and all those sorts of things, which is a really low level of consciousness. So if you can become compassionate within yourself and do what you were doing and sitting in your garden, just feeling into who you really are again... Um, then that goes out to the world with you. You know, it actually goes out to your family and when you walk out the gate, um, you know, you're actually feeling that sense of compassion. You're not in that competitive mode, which is taking your mind into your sympathetic nervous system. So it actually takes you into that reactive approach. Whereas when you're at proactive approach and you're, you're compassionate, that's coming from your heart. It's not coming from the ego and the mind primarily. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's very true. Yeah. And that can easily be related in the workplace, in the day-to-day -day, you know, things that you do. Yeah. And, um, and, and I've, absolutely, that's been a huge you know, change in me is, mm. that, um, is that I will... Of course, there's still moments where, where you find yourself you know, maybe judging other people. Mm, but catch it out. But you can yeah. catch it out. Yeah. And, um, and you're exactly right. The antidote is compassion because if... If you're compassionate, 
then you're going to admit your faults before a competition even arises. Mm. And that's the difference in how I've, I've been able to approach it is rather than hide all of my flaws and really show all of my, you know, the good aspects of, of how I am, let's just say, in the workplace and the, the different skill sets that I have, mm. you know, more just, just having a look at offering up all of the all of the flaws that you have from the get-go mm. and actually say oh you, you know let's just say you're, you're putting in a cannula in a patient's arm it's and and someone has blown the cannula instead of saying oh you know give it here i'll do it i've yeah. done this a million times yeah it's more like you'll know the next one because I'll tell you a story about when I, I, I totally stuffed it up and, yeah. and there was blood everywhere and this yeah. person was... Because the person know. feels at ease when they hear that. If of you're course. telling them off, they're in that like fight and fight mode straight away. If you're compassionate with them, then all of a sudden it gets them back to, okay, I can learn here. Yeah. So you can't learn from that, that space of fear. And that's what all this shit's trying to do to us. It's trying mm. to put us in fear consistently. And we can't learn, mm. so we learn to pacify ourselves by consuming something or doing something which makes us feel good impermanently. Yes. You know, the, the permanent stuff comes from the mm-hmm. compassion and, and the love and stuff that you discussed. And we've been pushed away from that. So you got onto the subject of being a six-year-old, seven-year-old boy and mm-hmm. feeling that sense of peace again. After that stage of your life, you were put in a running race and you were given a ribbon if you won. Mm-hmm. Or you were put in a test and, and you know, the kid next to you got a higher mark, so it made you feel low. You know, all this sort of stuff that we've actually, we've been swept away from that feeling of, of you know, that, that real stuff. And that real stuff costs us nothing, you know, so we've got to be able to access that often because that's really what we're meant to be, I believe, doing as humans here. You know, we're meant to be, be, be living in that heart-centered space rather than dominated by all the things that take us away from that. And that's what happens. That's right. right. Yeah. And I mean, all, all the spiritual teachers talk about that, you know. Mm. Mahatma Gandhi talks about it. Mm. Uh, Buddha, Jesus, they yeah. all talk about yeah. Yeah. Um, about compassion and, yeah. and, and love and living it, you know. Agree. But, but see, the message is the same. And this is where competition is, is like relevant here because you're competing, you're, you're such religion, you're such follow such tradition, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's all the same, primarily. Mm. Oh, I really believe that, you know, we're all... We're all under this one creation and we don't actually have any division here. So once you can actually understand that, it doesn't matter whether you're a, you're a Buddhist or you're a Jehovah's Witness or you're a, you know, a Muslim or you're a, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. That identity is exactly what we spoke about before. And that identity is like you being an ambulance and you're attached to that, a paramedic and you're attached to that. And that can cause suffering. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, so to be able to be aware of that and be connected with yourself primarily, and then be connected with everything else around you, I think is really where we start to heal and start to develop and grow and learn and and, and evolve as, as humans. Yeah. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. You know, yeah. and, and you know, we get a crack at this life, and I mean, you know, you, you know within yourself where you're sitting right now and what needs to maybe change, and I think that it's a great opportunity right now it doesn't matter where you're at in your life just to improve a little element of your life um, and bring yourself back down to i guess that just that that more grounded um that more grounded sort of place where you can actually then start to build 
um, but not build in the way that society tells us. Mm. More build that internal kind of framework yeah. rather than build build the external one. And that's certainly what I've learned on my my journey. And, and I, I really, you know, I know that everyone has their time when maybe they need to sort of go through that. Um, but certainly don't try to force anything, mm. you know. It, it really... Um, it really helps actually just to, to do the opposite. Absolutely, yeah. power versus force. Yeah. You get back to allowing rather than forcing. Forcing, like the gym, you'll build big muscles, but eventually they'll go down again, mm. you know? Yeah. So it's the same, same thing. But if you do things that give you that compassion for yourself rather than competition, then you, you, competition you're forcing all the time. Mm. Compassion, you're actually like getting back to the real shit, you know? Yeah. Everything else out there is, is wanting, you know, every other being in, in, in the world except for a human, like they're not dominated like the mind or by the mind like what we are. And that this is our biggest downfall. You know, we're actually like, we're supposed to be smart, intelligent. We're actually moving away from that because we're so dominated from the real self. This is why you getting back to doing your meditation, which helped, you know, you get visible evidence of what was going mm-hmm. on because you come back to, to feeling that, that mm-hmm. sense of, you know, in a, in a peace again. That's what every, everyone wants. That's what everything wants actually out there. We're not meant to be, you know, violent and judgmental and comparative and you know, critical and all this sort of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and labelled and attached, you know. So get back to the, the inner person that, that you actually are on a daily basis and then you can start to really value life because all the good things in life are happening in front of us but we're, we're dominated by the mind too much. We get just taken away from that, you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mate, yeah. Um, I, reckon, uh, I reckon we're going to have to leave it there and we're going to come back and have another conversation. If you're uh, in emergency services and you'd like something that we've touched on, Mick and I, um, you know, send me a message and, and uh, we, can, we can talk more about a particular topic and matter because we could keep going here for a couple of hours, I reckon. Easy. But, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get Mick back on and I think Mick might even host a couple of these and talk to some emergency people uh, out there about their own experiences and that and see if we can start to, you know, make some changes out there to the way um, people are feeling and how they manage their daily lives. So appreciate your time, Mick. Thanks very much for having me. No worries, mate. Guys, thanks for listening in. Um, really uh, grateful for Mick to share his knowledge and wisdom and what he's sort of gone through there um, with regards to his life and uh, working as a paramedic and some of the trials and tribulations that have come with that and all the good stuff he did for the humanitarian side of things. But that sort of you know took him out of balance. So it's all about being aware of um, aware of what we're doing and actually uh, making sure that we're able to you know self regulate more so we don't sort of get tied up in knots. Um, if you'd like to touch base and yeah, any, any feedback on this podcast, anything you'd like to, um, uh, to, to hear in the future with regards to Mick and talking about emergency services stuff or just general conversation, please drop me a line, support at outbackmind.com.au and please, um, support, um, or have a look at green nutritionals and the wonderful stuff that they provide, um, to support wellbeing, physical and mental wellbeing. So Thanks for, being, uh, thanks for being here, guys, and listening in and uh, looking forward to some more coming your way pretty soon. Cheers.